welcome to the Vine Church. We look forward to experiencing community with you. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at thevinegoshen.org. Enjoy the message. Hey, my name is Travis. I'm the lead pastor here at The Vine. I want to welcome you. If you're here for the first time or if you're fairly new to us, uh, do you want to reiterate, we're going to have a newcomer lunch, so please come. We want to have you in our home and hang out with you. Uh, also, as we get started this morning, in a couple of weeks, so on October 25th, uh, during our group night, we're, we've invited a friend of mine uh, from the Mishawaka Vineyard to come and share with us, and he's going to talk about how to hear God's voice. And so I know I've talked to a lot of you, and um, the, one of the questions that comes up a lot is like, I, I think I believe that God can speak to me, but I'm not sure I know what that looks like in my life. If that's you if, you, if you're curious about what that looks like, if you're still just trying to unpack that, this will be a night you don't want to miss because we're going to talk about it at length and we're going to really dive in pretty deep. Uh, and so come to group night that night, uh, the 25th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, today we are kicking off a new series, but before we do, let me pray and then we'll kind of jump right in. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak to us today. Lord, you can do so much more with, with uh, your word in our lives than, than we could ever uh, imagine. And Lord, I just ask that today that you would speak to us, that it wouldn't be my words just that are heard, but, but it would be your voice in our hearts and that you would, you would reveal what it is you want us to see today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're continuing our message series, let's take a look, and today's going to be the last week of this message series, and we've been talking about some of the values within the vineyard uh, as a whole, and so today we're going to explore uh, uh, the, the crockpot dynamic of the kingdom of God. Some of you are like, what in the world is that? And I'm going to get there. This is what my crock pot looks like. How many of you have a crock pot at home? And how many of you have a crock pot that sits perfectly in place on top of your refrigerator? Yeah, there we go. Those are my people. Okay, so we have a crock pot. We use it pretty regularly. And we're going to talk about what, it, what, what this idea of the crock pot dynamic of God's kingdom actually is. And I'll explain all of that here in just a second. And we're going to explore the story of a man named Simeon found in the Bible. And so today, as we kind of talk about this crockpot nature of God's kingdom, uh, let me explain. How many of you that use a crockpot feel like it saves you time, right? Like you, you put the crockpot on and, you know, some of you have the crockpot on right now. You like went to church and you're at church and when you get home this afternoon, you're going to have a meal ready to go, right? And so we kind of think of it like it, it saves us time. But, but let me ask, how long does it take to cook, let's say, let's say like a, a roast? Does anybody know? Yeah, like six to eight hours, depending on its size and what temperature you, right? And so... It, it's not exactly quick, yet it saves us time. And why does this work? Because it, it works in the background, doesn't it? It works at home while we're doing other things 
our crock pot is working hard to, to tenderize that beautiful piece of roast and turn it into absolute deliciousness, right? Our crock pot is not quick. It's not immediate, and it does take some time, but it's slow and purposeful and active while we are doing some other things. It's working in the background. Yet, isn't it interesting that the slowest form of cooking on the planet is actually the most efficient? You see, the crock pot is a great picture of God's kingdom. It's at work, it's dynamic, it's active in our lives, whether we see it working or not. It's moving and it's breathing and it's doing things all around us, even while we are doing some other things, maybe that going about our day-to-day lives. We're working our jobs, we're raising our kids and we're doing some of these other things. But the reality is those other things actually connect to God's kingdom. But here's, here's my point. We, we often with a crock pot, even though we're willing to use a crock pot, we hate waiting, don't we? How many of you like love waiting? There's like one of you. One of you is like, yeah, I, I'll wait. I'm waiting right now for you to hurry up and get over, right? <laughs> In fact, so this last week, I uh, had, I was taking my daughter on a, on a quick fishing trip and we kind of squeezed it into the schedule and it was for her birthday. And as we took off to go on this fishing trip, we needed a couple of things and I ordered them on Amazon And I, you know, of course I'm paying extra for Amazon Prime so that it gets here faster, but I actually am almost ashamed to admit this. I paid the extra like $2.50 to like expedite the shipping so that I could get it a little bit faster. Why? Because I hate waiting for stuff. We do this sort of thing, don't we? We got to have it now. And sometimes with Christians, we even have this phrase we use, and you've, you've probably heard this said, maybe it's been said to you, uh, maybe you've even said it, and it's a really common thing that we hear a lot in church circles, and it's this, wait on the Lord. How many of you have heard that? Oh, just wait on the Lord. Maybe you've said it, maybe you've heard it. And it's not necessarily bad advice, but sometimes we say it without really understanding what it actually means to wait on the Lord or how it really works. And so we give it improper application. Here are a few examples. Someone's struggling in their marriage. Well, brother, sister, just wait on the Lord, right? Someone's trying to get pregnant, but it's not happening, which is a very real thing. And, and if you've ever been there, that's a hard thing to walk through. Well, just, just wait on the Lord. Someone's battling addiction, and we don't know what to say. We're like, I don't know what I could say to help them, so, well, just, just wait on the Lord. Someone's experiencing health issues. Ah, just, just wait on the Lord. And it sounds really great, until you are the one waiting on the Lord. But I think we should be careful as Christians to not use this as a cop-out. 
Just a blanket statement we use when we don't know what else to say. Oh, we'll just wait on the Lord. Because waiting on the Lord actually means something maybe a little different than what we've pictured, especially if we've grown up in church. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean to wait on the Lord? Well, it connects to this crockpot kingdom of God. It's deeply important that if you hear nothing else today that you hear this, waiting on the Lord is not a passive endeavor. In fact, waiting on the Lord may be the most active thing you've ever done in your life. Here's the bottom line. Many of the things that are of great value in God's kingdom, including the giftings and the, the calling and the things that he's planted in your life specifically, the things that God has given you, they take time to mature and produce something in us and through us through the process of waiting on the Lord. And so let's look at what it means to wait on the Lord through the life of a man named Simeon. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. So this passage is kind of previous to Jesus's birth, but it's, it's kind of, or happening as Jesus has just been born, and it is taking place kind of in the afterwards process that, that a typical Jewish family would walk through uh, to, to make sure that their children were doing all of the things that were uh, set up by the law of Moses. And so that's some of the context. So Jesus has been born, and, and this is what's happening. It says this in verse 21, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, okay? Most of you know who I'm talking about, okay? Yes, the name given to him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, right? This is part of the law of Moses, and it says, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And it continues. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. This is who we're going to talk about today. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as required by the law, Simeon was there. It's pretty incredible. He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed by what was being said about him. 
Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. So what we see here is a promise. This promise was foretold long, long, long ago. And we're seeing that in the life of this man, Simeon, we're getting to see this promise fulfilled. But it wasn't just Simeon. If you read the rest of the story, you see that there was a a lady by the name of Anna who was also getting to experience this promise. And there were many others that were experiencing this promise of Jesus, the Messiah, coming to earth after so long, this awaited gift. So there are a few things, though, that that I think uh, if we pay attention to in the life of Simeon, that I think can help us understand this crockpot nature of God's kingdom. And and I think will help us when we find ourselves in moments of waiting, where we're waiting on the Lord to do something in our life or, or fulfill a promise or help us step into a different place that maybe we're experiencing. And I think that this will help us. So the first thing that I want to pull out of this and I want to point out this morning is this. God's promise to Simeon took a lifetime to fulfill. God's promise took a lifetime to fulfill. Now, Simeon heard of God's promises probably since he was a young boy. He probably had heard of this as as it was being taught to him from a very young age. And, And at this point, he is now an old man. He's, he's like getting to that place in life where he's like, I, I could probably go from this earth now. My, my knees don't work quite the way that they used to. And, you know, my body hurts a little bit. And, man, I've, I've lived a full life. But God's given me this promise. And he was waiting for this promise. But here's what's interesting is this promise was given approximately 700 years earlier. Think about that. Roughly, this is 25 generations. So God's promise in your life, given to you today, and we get impatient, don't we? Well, now, it's gonna happen now. But I'm here to tell you, sometimes God's promises take some waiting. And some of God's promises, it isn't in our life that we see the fulfillment of the promise. It's generations to come, but we have a part to play. The crockpot nature of God's kingdom is that God will produce something incredible in and through our lives, but it may take longer than we think. As Christians, we're invited to play a part of a much grander, bigger narrative than our own personal story. God's advancing his kingdom. And he's invited us to play a part in that, to participate in his kingdom being advanced. And God's okay if it takes a little bit of time. So I want to talk briefly about the prophetic for just a minute. If you don't know what the prophetic it is, it's where um, God has spoken something to us 
either uh, through his word. We read something in the Bible that talks about a future thing that is coming that we see. It's, it's like a future thing. Or sometimes God will speak to us individually. He'll speak something to you and you'll feel like, I think God wants to do this thing in the future, in the days to come. Or sometimes he'll speak to somebody else and that person will share this prophetic thing with you and say, I think this is something that God wants to encourage you in that he would like to do in your life at some point, right? So that's kind of what we're talking about with the prophetic. But maybe for you, you've, you've prayed or, and you feel like God's spoken something or you've read your Bible and you see a promise in there. And you're like, I'm not seeing that fulfilled in my life right now, but I see the promise and I see that that promise is for me. Or maybe God has spoken to you from somebody else a prophetic promise. The prophetic, it's important for us to understand, is oftentimes the start of a process and a journey. The prophetic promise is not often the end of the journey. And so sometimes God will speak to us. And we'll hear something prophetically, and we often will feel this sense of urgency with it, especially if we like what we hear. Like, oh, God said good things to me. He's going to do these awesome things in my life. Man, I'll take it, right? And that's good. But we should pay attention in those moments when God speaks something to us. And remember, that's the starting point. Because between the starting point and fruition is a process in between where he wants to develop our character and our capacity to be able to carry the promise and the calling that he has given us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you, God has spoken some incredible things over. And listen, I am just going to tell you, every person in this room, God wants to do something significant in your life, and he wants to reveal whatever that thing is to you. And once we know what that promise is, and some of those promises are for all of us, some of those are just for us, like just you. God has a specific thing for just you. Every one of us gets to take part in that. That should be a moment when we get that promise where we say, okay, now what's my part to play? I've got the promise. I see what God wants to do. God, what is it you want to develop in and through my life for me to step into and carry the promise you've given me? Remember Simeon. God spoke about a coming Messiah 700 years earlier. And then he felt in his lifetime that God gave him a specific promise to Simeon himself. Simeon, this is for you. That in your lifetime, you are going to see the coming Messiah. This one's for you. But it didn't come until the end of his life. I'm not saying this to discourage you. But I want you to understand how the prophetic works and how when God speaks to us, how sometimes this plays out in our lives because it's important for us to step into the fruition of fulfillment of some of the things God's spoken to us. Do we understand how this works? We have a part 
to play, which leads us to our next point. Waiting on the Lord is not passive, but is perhaps the most active thing we could do. While Simeon waited on the Lord, it says he was doing some things. So I don't know if you caught this, but let's read it again. Verse 25, it says this. It says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous, you can underline that, and devout, and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. So we have the promise, right? We saw the promise. This is going to happen in his lifetime. He's going to see the Messiah in his lifetime. And he would not die until the Lord's Messiah comes. But we have this process in between. So first he was righteous. Okay, so for you and I, righteousness comes through Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. That's a starting point for us. For, for Simeon, that worked a little bit different, but, but essentially, he was in right standing with God. But part of following Jesus and having relationship with Jesus is a process we just talked about where God develops our character and transforms our lives as we learn to follow him. So he was righteous. Then we have Simeon being devout. Devout means this taking hold of what is good or faithfully doing what God has entrusted us to do or to take care of. It's, it's a process of stewardship that we would carry the thing that God had handled us and carry it well. That's what it means to be devout. So the question is for us, what has God entrusted to you? What has God entrusted to you? You see, while Simeon was waiting, he was being righteous and devout. Righteousness comes through Jesus. Being devout comes through putting some things in practice, getting to work a little bit, doing the things, stewarding what God has entrusted to you. Your marriage are you working actively on your marriage? Or are you just letting your marriage happen to you? Are you stewarding your marriage? It's a precious relationship, by the way. What about your children? Are we actively raising children that will know God as we know God? Or are we just surviving the parenting process? There's a difference. What about your skill or the giftings or some of the things that God has placed in your life that you're good at or, or that he, you know he's invited you to get better at? Are we developing those things? Are we lending those things to God's kingdom and his church? Or are we just letting those things just kind of sit there dormant. What about our resources or our relationships? Are we deploying our resources and our relationships for the kingdom of God and the church, or, or are we just kind of hanging on to them? They just feed us. 
See, God's given those to you to steward. It's a great trust that he's placed in us as Christ followers. And he said, I've given you this life. Make something great out of it. Steward it. Move it towards my kingdom. Those are the things we could be doing as we wait. As we wait on the Lord. Simeon used the time he was waiting to develop what God had given him. Develop the things that God had entrusted to him. He, he practiced good stewardship as he waited for God to fulfill his promise. He was righteous and he was devout. Lastly, don't give up. It may take a lifetime, but compared to eternity, it's but a moment. It's but a moment. So don't give up. You know, the last thing I want to point out here is this. It, it says how he was waiting. Simeon was waiting for a promise that God had given him, but how was Simeon waiting? It says here that Simeon was eagerly waiting. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Let me just tell you, there is a difference between waiting and eagerly waiting, right? Think about this. When you go to the DMV, you're waiting. <laughs> but, <laughs> you, you know, or, or the doctor, right? Like, I was just thinking about this earlier as I was kind of putting this together. I was thinking like, you know, I, oh man, I can't wait to see the doctor, right? Like most of us don't go to the doctor like that. Or, or even better, like you go to the DMV and you like show up, you know, and you take your ticket and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. And like you get up there to the counter, right? Like they call your name, they're like 45. And you get up there and you're like, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. You're the one. That person's probably like freaked out. They're like, dude, you, I don't know what coffee you were drinking, but you need to lay off for a little while, right? But listen, there's something here that's really important. Every once in a while, my wife, she does this thing where, where she pulls that crock pot off the top of our refrigerator. She does it more than once in a while. I didn't mean that. Okay, come on. And instead of putting a roast in it, she puts carnitas. Now, yes, let's just take a moment to... <laughs> Now, if you know me, what you find out very quickly is I love tacos, and I really like carnitas. And so every once in a while, my wife will pull down the crock pot, and she'll throw carnitas, get it all ready, and then she'll turn it on. And after like a thousand years, it's like ready to eat. But like here, here's what often happens is like as it's cooking, like you know how like all of a sudden there's like this magical smell. It just, it, it was like a light switch. It's like, boing, the smell is there and it's like amazing. And like, I'll come home from work and I'll like walk in and it's like, oh my gosh. And angels sing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, I probably have a problem, but so there's this anticipation, right? Like I get to eat carnitas here in a little bit. And then what do we all do? Like, like you, you, you'll like sneak and you like, Crack the crock pot, which isn't good, by the way. But you crack it open, and you, like, look, and then you're, like, you'll take a little piece. Well, well, what does that do? 
nothing good, right? It just builds the anticipation. You're like, now I'm really hungry and I cannot wait any longer. And so it builds this expectation, this anticipation that finally we get to sit down to the meal and we get to enjoy whatever was prepared, in this case, carnitas. You know, for most of us, if our tummy wasn't rumbling before this point, it probably is now. Do we do this same thing when we pray? Do we have an eager expectation that God's going to do something? Do we do this same thing when we worship God, whether at home or at church? Do we have this anticipation that God is here and he is gonna, he is gonna do something. He is gonna move in our lives as we worship him. He's gonna show up. When you get ready for church and you, you, you pack your kids in the car and, or if you don't have kids, you, you pack your family together and you, you get to church and, or your friends or whatever and you're here. Do you have an anticipation inside of you that says, God is going to show up in my life this morning, and, and I don't know what he's going to do, but God is going to move in some way. Is there an eager anticipation for God to do something? Because let me just tell you, God wants to do something in your life today, right now. Simeon waited on the Lord, but he waited with eager anticipation. God, you're going to show up. Someday your Messiah is coming, and the Messiah is going to save our people and the rest of the world. I believe it, and I see it, and I want it in my life. You know, when we show up to church, when we show up in our prayer moments, when we open our Bibles, I believe we as Christ followers can have an anticipation that God is going to do something through this moment. And if you're here and you are, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and, you know, this message, you're like, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Let me just say this, like, like God wants to know you and you know him in a friendship type relationship. Listen, God already knows who you are. God already knows everything about you. And he chose you. He sent his son to die on a cross for you and me. Because he loves us that much. My point this morning is the nature of God's kingdom is it works, it's active, it's moving, it's living and breathing all around us, in our lives and as our lives participate with his kingdom. And some things happen quickly and some things like the crockpot take a lot of time. But the reality is God wants to move in your life today. And waiting on the Lord doesn't, doesn't mean we do it passively. There are things we can do right now. 
there are things we can do today to see God's purposes enacted in our lives. And so this morning, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And I want to invite you to stand up. This morning, I want to challenge us to walk with a sense of expectation. You see, I I believe fully that when we walk with a sense of expectation, something happens a little bit differently than when we don't. Here's an example. I heard this this week. Somebody made this up. It wasn't my thing. But, but I thought it was really a great picture of what this looks like. So if you were driving to church this morning, how many of you noticed uh, how, how many blue cars you passed along the way? Yeah, like you're like two, five. I don't know. I didn't, I don't care, right? <laughs> but if I said to you today, on your drive home, I want you to notice every blue car you pass, and for every blue car, I'll give you 100 bucks. How many of you would notice some blue cars on the way home? Yeah, by the way, I'm not giving you money, but, but it illustrates a really good point. What I just illustrated was a sense of expectation. When we are looking for what God is doing, we find it. When we are paying attention to what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of the people around us, we see it. But when we just go through life, we miss some of those incredible moments that God wants to point out to us. And so here's my challenge to you. This week, go through your week expecting God to do something. Listen, God's doing stuff all around us. It's just a matter of us participating what he's already doing. And so this week, pay attention. God, what are you doing today? When you get up, say, God, I want, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to eagerly anticipate the things as I wait. But as I wait, I'm going to work on my character in my marriage. I'm going to work on my character as I parent my kids. I'm going to work on my character as I build the relationships and walk through the relationships and struggles at work. If I'm battling with addiction, I'm going to surrender that to you and I'm going to work and do the things I can to overcome the addiction. I'll seek help, whatever I need to do. And I will steward the trust that you have given me in my life as I wait on you. Let me pray. And then we'll go into one last song. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Father, I ask that as as we surrender to you and we just acknowledge that that you have a plan for our life, you have specific things that you want to do in and through us. God, would you help us to steward our life well? And as we steward our life, Lord, I ask right now that you would bring to fruition the promises the promises that you have given us. Lord, this week, would you help us 
to walk with a sense of anticipation, a sense of expectancy, and a sense of, of just, we know you want to move in our life. Would you help us participate with what you are doing? We love you, Lord. Well, that is it for today's message. We thank you for joining us. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at thevinegoshen.org. We'll see you next time. Thank you.